do that. Father, uh, would you come by your spirit? Would you speak to us? Lord, would you move our hearts to follow your call in our lives? Lord, would you equip us to, to reach Telford and beyond? Not for our sake or to build a name for ourselves, but to build your kingdom and a name for you. So Lord, speak for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name. Amen. I've also promised Steph that I'll keep an eye on the time. Because there are quite a few points to make as we've kind of come to the end of our sermon series on Nehemiah. Believe it or not, we've spent 15 weeks in Nehemiah. 15 weeks of going through names. We've gone through it with fine-tooth comb. We've preached almost every single chapter through Nehemiah. And it's been fantastic, hasn't it? Great, hands up. Who was here at week three? Could you tell us the points? I'm only joking. Don't worry. Uh, But... What I will say is go back. They're on our website. If you listen to podcasts, go back and listen to them all again if you'd like. Uh, Use them in your quiet times with the Lord. Sit down and listen to what's being said and then go, actually, is this what God's saying to me? Uh, But of course, we've been through these 15 weeks and some other churches around the country have done exactly the same series, believe it or not. Leaders didn't talk amongst themselves but some of the most influential churches across the nation have just been doing a series through Nehemiah. Um, I kind of, sometimes I listen to their podcasts and go, hang on, this is really creepy. Because every podcast I seem to listen to, they were on Nehemiah. And I was going, what's going on? But clearly God is speaking uh, through these passages. But studying through 15 weeks of Nehemiah, if we don't let the word of God change our hearts and our lives and our practice... We might as well just leave 15 weeks by the, by the wayside and just get on with doing our own thing. We've got to let the word of God saturate us and to work through us, not just for us, but for our families, our friends, our kids, the places where we live, because that's where we'll see things change. So what about it? What has the Lord... Uh, going to say to us through lockdown the Lord has uniquely placed us in this position as his people in Telford to rebuild his church to rebuild the culture around us to rebuild hope and to lead the people of God some of them don't know that they're the people of God yet into the future that God has for them into their destiny if you want to use that language That's what we are here to do. If you didn't think that was what we're here to do, I'm very sorry. But that's what we're here to do, to reach those who don't yet know Jesus and to say, God's got a plan for you. He's got a future for you. He's got a hope for you. All is not lost. He loves you and has a plan. And that's pretty much what goes on with Nehemiah. He is the cupbearer to the king. He's in a foreign land. He's under uh, oppression by the the Babylonians. He's a cupbearer to the king, meaning that if someone poisons the king, he's going to get it first. His life is worthless. 
but God chooses to use him. He's the lowest in that situation. He's even lower than the rest of the Babylonians. He's like, if I drink this, I will give my life for the king, even though this king is oppressing us and our people. So why do I say that? Well, simply because God uses the least and the, the, the lowest and the least likely people to influence the most change. So if you're sat there today and you're going, do you know what? I've got no idea what God's plan is for my life. You know, I'm not sure what I'm here to do. I, I can't do the stuff that Steph can do. Um, guess what? You're uniquely placed to change Telford. Because God uses the least likely people to influence the most change. He's uniquely placed you in Telford for a purpose. Great, well, that isn't even my first point. I've got six of them to make from these 15 weeks. How do you sum up 15 weeks in a 45-minute talk? Don't worry, I'll try and keep it to 20. But there are, there are six points. One is pray. Two is follow his call. Three is assess. Four is to start the work. Five is when difficulty comes, what happens? And six is seeing the restoration being achieved. Each of these things are key themes within the book of Nehemiah that we've been going over through these last 15 weeks. But it starts with prayer. And Shaned read uh, that beginning of Nehemiah straight away. And it's, it's that, that when Hanani, one of his brothers, came from Judah with the other men, Nehemiah questioned him to say, what's going on with the, those who survived the exile? said, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burnt with fire. Then he says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. That's what he does. The first thing he hears is he mourns, he weeps, he fasts, and he prays. See, every revival, every renewal movement within the history of God's people starts with prayer. Every single one. I, uh, at Vicar Factory, uh, did a dissertation on this exact thing. It's going, what are some of the key markers of revival and renewal across the centuries? They all start with prayer. One or two or 10 or 20 or 50 people on their knees going, God, we can't do this without you. Would you come? And he goes, yes, of course, and some. Pete Gregg, some of us will uh, be familiar with his work in his book, Dirty Glory, says that the hinge of human history is the bended knee. The hinge of human history is the bended knee. When we pray, doors open, history changes. If we don't understand that our prayer holds power, we're lost. Because when we pray in Jesus' names, mountains move. Healing comes, restoration happens, revival breaks out. It starts with prayer. It starts with a bended knee. 
And it doesn't matter whether we, we look back to the Toronto Blessing or the Wesleyan Revival or the Hebridean Revival or the Welsh Revival or Azusa Street or the Vineyard Movement or the Great Awakening or the Reformation or the Constantinian Declaration, the Pentecost or Nehemiah's rebuilding. It starts in prayer. When Nehemiah heard the news of the people, he weeps, he mourns, he fasts, and then he prays. When we hear news of Telford, what's the first thing we do? Quite often, I'm going like, oh, I'll just keep on strolling through my social media feed. Or, oh, great, well, that's in that part of Telford. That really doesn't concern me. But actually, what it should do is go, come on. Our prayer changes things. God intervene so that when there's a stabbing going on in Ketley or a murder in Aqueduct, we go, God, break in and let's see something change. Often we, we approach prayer as a, as a list of requests, don't we? God, could you do this and could you do that? And please, sweet baby Jesus, could you help my neighbour? But when we know who we're praying to and when we're interceding with the Father and the Spirit and the Son, things shift. He hears, he knows, and he will act. We know that in John 14, it's a, it's a promise that God gives, and I'll, I'll just read it out to us. It's this. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. Holy cow. Those who believe in me will do the works that I have been doing. This is Jesus talking here, guys. Raises the dead, heals the sick, uh, cleanses the leper, walks on water, feeds 5,000 people. Imagine the buns that Steph will have to eat carrying on for years if we were feeding 5,000. Only joking, Steph. But let's carry on. They will do greater things than these. Freak out even more. Because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. See, when we pray, stuff happens. It really does. When you're praying with the Spirit through the Son to the Father, stuff happens. God breaks in and changes things. Are we willing, church, to pay the break? Pray the big prayers that God's asking us to pray. I don't know about you, but I will not be satisfied until the whole of Telford hears about Jesus. Will not be satisfied. Because the people out there need him more than we do in here. To see revival, we as Telford Minster need to be a church that prays and prays and prays and prays and prays. Join us on a, on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning at 8.30 in the morning. Come and pray with us because we're praying big prayers. We're going we're gonna to have nights where we get together and we pray for Telford, that we intercede for our communities, our friends, whatever's going on. When I uh, arrived, uh, Pauline Mack, who we, we all know and love, presented me with a box of people's prayers for Telford over the last 10 years. 
Some of them are incredible. Could you imagine if the next pin on the revival map of the world is in Telford? Come on! Why? Because just like Nehemiah, Telford is seen as the least and the forgotten, the place that people kind of go and disappear. But God sees Telford as the place that will bring change to the nation through you guys. Come on. So that's the first point, prayer. We need to pray and we need to pray and we need to pray and we need to pray. Secondly, is the call of God. Telford Minster needs to be a church that follows the call of God, even into the difficult places. See, though we don't really see it in the beginning bits of Nehemiah when he's on his knees fasting and praying, there's a call that God gives him, and we're not privy to that call, but we see the outworking of it. Prayer usually ends in God saying, go on then. Okay, great, you prayed for that. Now go and do it. And there's a call, there's always movement with God, birthed in prayer. Have a look again in verse four. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. I've mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then he says something. The call is to go and rebuild the gates and walls that were burnt down. See, the call of God through Nehemiah was to rebuild the walls and gates and to kind of make Jerusalem secure again. But actually, that wasn't the full call of God for what he had for Nehemiah. Because what God does through the rebuilding of the wall is he rebuilds the people of God to be a worshipping people. Yeah, it's, it's all about bricks and mortar and gates being hung in the right places, yeah. But in doing so, God has a far bigger plan than just the call of one person. He changes a nation and a trajectory of a people. God often calls people as individuals, but it has a far wider reach. So what's the call of God for you guys and for us? Go to Telford. Go to Telford, the forgotten place, the place where it's the most godless place in Europe. Go there. Go there. Why? Because why, how about we turn up? We turn up the risk factor. God, I want to see you move and I will go to the least place that we ever could think of you moving. And how about we just put you to the test? Come on, God, you said you will do this, so let's see it. What's God's call on your life? Some of you might know it. Some of you might be going there, I know exactly what God's call is on my life. Yes. Some of you might be going, I've got no idea what God is calling me to do. Well, hopefully today that might change. Some of you have heard a call of God on your life years ago and you were too chicken to do it. Maybe today he's saying, come on, it's time to get out the coop. Get on with it. The call doesn't go away. Imagine the change that will happen. 
And normally when a vicar stands up and says, oh, there's a call on someone's life and everyone assumes it's to some sort of ministry job, guess what? That's utter nonsense. Some might be called to farming. Some might be called to education. Some might be called to write music. Some might be called to art. Some might be called to to have a family. Some might be called to, to start up new projects that affect communities. Some might be even called to insurance. See, God doesn't necessarily just call us to the ministry jobs, the standing up front with a microphone, you know, talking to groups of people like I am today. God's call on your life will be unique to you. And I'm really sorry where the church in the past has always said it's about ministry, because it's not. I always say to people, if you can imagine yourself doing anything else but ministry, do that first. God's got a calling for you guys to be where he's called you to be, not where he's called me to be. What is God's call on your life and are you prepared to follow it? Because you following God's call on your life will change things around you. So that's the second point, call. Third is this, Telford Minster needs to be a church that doesn't just blindly walk into things, but assess what's needed and then to act. That doesn't just blindly walk into things, but assess what's going on and then act. See, because so often the church assumes a lot. Okay, you want to be a church that reaches young people, we must do a messy church. Guess what? There are about 20 messy churches around Telford. Why on earth would we do a messy church? Please, Lord, could we never do a messy church? Oh, do you know what? We're a church, so we must do a food bank. Guess what? There are about 25 food banks across Telford. We don't need another church to do another food bank. Maybe he might say, come on, guys, you need to do a food bank. But I don't think so. What is God's unique call to us as Telford Minster? Let's assess the needs of Telford. Let's not just assume what he wants us to do and do that. Let's sit back and go, God, what are you calling us to? Because when we do that, we know what needs to be rebuilt. Nehemiah does that. He goes out at night with a few mates and he walks around the city of Jerusalem and he looks at all the walls that have been burnt down. He looks at the gates that are are broken down and the things that need to be done. He assesses what's going on. He he says this, let let me read it to you. I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no mount with me except the one I was riding on. By night I went through the valley gate towards the jackal, to, towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. See, he goes out and he assesses all the gates, all the walls, and goes, okay. This is where we need to start. See, we need to go through and assess what Telford needs. 
we need to make an assessment of what the cost is for Telford. Jesus tells a story in Luke 14 of uh, someone going to start to build a tower. And what Jesus says is, you know, you need to count the cost of what that is. If you're going to build an extension to your house, like, what do you do? You, you go out and you employ someone and they tell you how much it's going to cost. Because if you just start digging without doing the assessment of how much it's going to cost, how do you know if you're not going to run out of money halfway through? And this is a story that Jesus tells through that. And he says, count the cost of following me. Because it's going to cost everything. If you're only half in to following Jesus, can I say something to you? If you're only half in, it's not worth it. If you're fully in, it's going to cost you everything. Not just a little bit of your time, all of it. Not just a little bit of your money, all of it. Not just a little bit of your spare time watching Netflix, all of it. Because whatever you do, you're viewing things through the lens of Jesus. The cost of following Jesus costs everything. But you know what? It's worth everything too. It's worth everything. So what does Telford need? Well, we know that in 2016, there was 178,000 people that lived in Telford. Huge. It's probably now around 200,000. It's grown by, you know, almost 20,000 people in the space of four years. Crazy. Lawley is going to double. Priorslee is going to double. Bits of Wellington out towards Bratton and the other places are going to double. We're expecting that another 25,000 people are going to arrive in the next two years. Incredible. Who are these people? Well, they're young adults, young professionals, families, young people. God's call to us is to reach those people. 25% of Telford currently is under 18 of Telford is under 40. Holy cow, what are we doing reaching out to the old people? All the other churches in Telford, please reach out to the old people. They need Jesus too. But the assessment of what's going on in Telford means that we need to reach the young people. Those who are in primary school. And I'm so thankful for Pam. Over, over the last six weeks, she has literally seen thousands and thousands of young people in their school telling them about the love of Jesus for them. I'm so thankful for Nick, who has walked into schools and found an open door to the gospel going into them. We, I heard literally, you might have, as you were walking up the drive, heard me whooping and shouting for joy. Simply because Nick has been invited into one of the secondary schools of Telford every Friday to share the gospel with them. The young people need Jesus and we are the people to say, come on, let me show you. So if you guys are over 40, guess what? You're on team. You are on team. Because they need you to parent them. They need you to grandparent them. They need you to show them the way of Jesus. If you're under 40, 
you're on team. Because you're going, right, let's walk with you in this journey of following Jesus. Let's not be against you. Let's not just be this, this club that is insular. Let's walk with you to follow Jesus. So guess what? If Telford Minster is your home, you're on team. There's no escape. If you don't want to, that's all right. We still love you. I'm going to stop saying things before I get into trouble. So that's point three. Three more to go. I promise I will get through them, Steph. Lord have mercy. (laughs) Telford Minster needs to be a church of action, not just talk. See, the, the, the stuff that God calls Nehemiah to is birthed in prayer, yes. But if he spends all of his time praying and does nothing, guess what? It stays in his bedroom in the citadel of Susa. It doesn't go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. It's got to have action. See, because when we, uh, when we pray, when we assess, when we, um, when we do all of those points that were just before, then um, it leads us into action. The task is huge in Telford. If you're in any doubt about that, just walk outside and see the massive estate of 16,000 homes across the road. Unless the Lord does it, it won't be done. Unless it's birthed in prayer, it won't happen. We heard Tam talking uh, last week, not by power or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. See, the, the Diocese of Litchfield and the Church of England has a five-year plan for Telford Minster. Some of you guys know this, some of you don't. But it's to reach, reach 300 people, 150 of them being fully signed up disciples, to plant four churches, to do youth work and have chaplaincy in four to six secondary schools, and to do kids' work in four to six primary schools. I, uh, the first time the vision team met, I said, we're not doing that. We're doubling it. 600 people is what we're going after in the next five years. Not 150 fully signed up disciples, 600 fully signed up disciples, because how can you be a half a disciple? I don't know. We're not going to plant four churches. We're going six to ten churches. We're not just going to do chaplaincy in four to six schools, but how about all of them? How about we don't just reach one or two or five or ten primary schools? How about we reach all of them? Last September, we were in 57 primary schools in Telford. Did you even know there were 57 primary schools in Telford? See, when we follow God's call and we start walking in it, things happen. I said, uh, when, when we, Emily and I moved to Telford, unless God shows up, it's got to be impossible. So how about we ramp up the, the risk level? I'm not interested in 300 people coming to know Jesus. To be honest, I'm not really interested in 600 people coming to know Jesus. I will not be satisfied until the whole of Telford knows about Jesus. And that's the call for each one of us. Great, that was point four. Point five. We need, Telford Minster needs to be a church 
confidence in who God is and what he's called us to be. Because guess what? Opposition will come. Opposition will come. We heard about Nehemiah's mates, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Agishim. These people were out to stop the work of God. It says this in Nehemiah 2, 19. When Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What are they doing? They asked, are you rebelling against the king? And then I answered, Nehemiah, not me, answered, the God of heaven will give us success. We are his servants. We will start rebuilding. Guess what, guys? We've got some work to do. You know, I said about the diocese had a five-year plan. Well, guess what? We've lost two of those to COVID. It's now a three-year plan. Holy cow, we've got some work to do. We've got to start going. And we're going to get some huge opposition. Huge opposition. If you want to find out what that's like, ask Steph, ask Sarah, ask any of the staff. Probably ask Emily the most. She gets it in the neck constantly. And we will get opposition from the inside, the people who are supposed to be on our side in fighting the battle. We're going to get those people going, oh, I don't want to do that. What about the old people? Oh, let's start a messy church. No. What is God's call? We're going to get people on the outside in our society going, we don't need another church. Why should we be talking about Jesus? Let's just, you know, do whatever we want. How about we just have the kingdom without the king? We want the things that the church are passionate about just without Jesus. Why don't you bring that to Telford? And the answer to that is no. We are called by his name. We pray in Jesus' name. That's how society is going to change. Not because you have a rotary club or the lions are doing the best things or the scout groups or whatever, or because you run a food bank. No. The only thing that will change Telford is Jesus. See, when we start the work and success starts to happen, people want to tear it down. People want to tear it down. But there's also other opposition that comes. And there's spiritual opposition. You know, we're not just fighting a battle in flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities of this world. The unseen things. Now, some people might be sat, sitting there going, what the heck is Matt on about? You know this, that feeling when we're worshipping and you know Jesus is right there with you, but you can't see him. Guess what? There's also the things that go bump in the night and Telford is full of it. A couple of months ago, uh, we had a phone call and we went round and we had to go and pray through this house because these people were frightened because there was stuff going on. Do you know what? There is stuff that goes bump in the night, guys. See, when we know there's Jesus, we also know there's Satan, the accuser, the one that distracts us from hearing God's voice. If we're struggling to hear God's voice, it's not that he's not speaking to us. It's that there's a spiritual battle going on. We've lost sight of something. 
God is speaking, but we're distracted by the stuff going on around us. But when we tune into what God's saying, guess what? The battle is won. So guys, opposition will come. Opposition to seeing Telford changed by Jesus will come from the inside, from the church, from uh, the society around us, but also from the enemy. So we just got to be aware of that. And then, of course, Telford Minster needs to be a church who completes the work that God has given us. We got to do it. God's called us. Let's start working. Let's crack on. And that bit at the end that uh, that Shined read for us, Nehemiah six, fifteen and sixteen, uh, says, "So the wall was completed on the twenty-fifth of Ehul in fifty-two days. The wall of Jerusalem was built in fifty-two days." Holy cow, how did that happen? That, yeah, there was, a few, there was a few thousand people that went to rebuild the wall, yeah. 52 days. The gates were burned by fire. The, the walls were crumbling down. But God gave them strength and they rebuilt Jerusalem in 52 days. God's given us three years. What could be achieved? We could rebuild Telford. Some of you are now looking properly shocked. Some of you are going, do not let Matt go on holiday again. (laughs) What is God asking us to do? Because Telford Minster isn't here to build a church. We're not here to build a church. We're here to build a city. And to rebuild a people that hungers and thirsts after God that we will see that Telford Minster has been successful because Telford has changed economically, spiritually, and societally. That there will be no more deaths. There will be no more drug deals going on in car parks. The things that go bump in the night, all of it will go. And we will see the people of Telford begin to rise up into the place that God has for them in this nation. That's what we're about. Building a church is just a side effect. See, when the people of God hunger and thirst after all that he is, when we tell people about Jesus and we see them come to faith, guess what? The church happens naturally. You don't have to strive to build a church. If we go after building a church, guess what? The Rotary Club happens. But if we go after Jesus, the church builds naturally. So how about we go after Jesus? That was point six. The restoration happens. So how long have we got? I've gone way over time. (laughs) But it's okay. All right, why don't we stand?